You are listening to the Post-Atomic Horror Podcast with Ron Algar-Watt and Matt Robotham. Episode 162, covering Second Sight and Sanctuary. Hello, friends. Hey, everybody. It's one of those weeks. So, you know how sometimes we get the weeks that are like, it's one good episode and one bad episode? This is kind of like that. Sometimes we get a week that's one bad episode and one worse episode. Yep. That's so what we got this week. It's it's similar to the one good, one bad, only slightly different. It's it, If you go down a bit more. Yeah, I will say bad for the show is still not quite as bad as bad for other shows. I don't know, Sanctuary was pretty bad. Sanctuary had a, I mean, you know, we'll get to it, but it had it had stuff to like it. The first half of it, you have to admit, had some good character stuff. I will admit that. And then, uh, and then it didn't. Yeah, that's that's just how they roll. I don't like how they roll. The it made me angry. Yeah, which, which at least is an emotion. Yep. The first one just was kind of boring and kind of blah. Yep, blah, blah. <laughs> Why don't you tell us, though, about right. Second Sight, which is the most forgettable title, I think, Since ever. I Have the Beholder? Since I Have the Beholder, yes. Maybe this is the second sight of the Beholder. Ooh. Yeah. So it's been four years since the massacre at Wolf 359. Happy birthday, Lacutus! And Cisco's taking a mournful stroll around the station. While sadly staring out the window and moping, he's approached by Fena, an elf-eared lady in a red dress with a name that sounds like something you sprinkle over a salad. Sisko basically falls head over heels in love, so he's really upset when she Batman vanishes on him. Next morning, everyone remarks on how chipper Sisko is, what with him ordering tea instead of coffee, and actually skipping around ops. Meanwhile, the station is preparing for the arrival of Gideon Sayetic, a bearded professor who's going to reignite his son and terraform a planet, Genesis-style. What this has to do with Deep Space Nine is never overly stated, but, you know, whatever. Onward and upward. So Cisco takes Finn on another date, and she bails on him when he starts asking nosy questions, like, Who are you, and what is your whole deal? Professor Sayetic invites the bridge crew to dinner on his ship, and they are served by his wife, Nidel, who looks like a less glamorous Finna. Afraid of being a cuckold, Ben confronts Nidel, who has no idea what the hell he's talking about. And then, when he returns to his quarters, Ben finds Fena there again, in full-on seduce mode. And then she vanishes. Sick, <clears throat> sick to death of all this bullshit, Sisko joins Dax, Sayetic, and Nidel on the Sun Reignite project, so he can do a little amateur sleuthing and find out who, if anyone, he is trying to bang. Fena appears yet again, and Nidel passes out, and Professor Gideon arrives to drop some exposition on our asses. So, it turns out Nadell is from a planet of psychics who can make people to seduce other people when they're sad, but she said she wasn't going to do it anymore. Fine. Whatever. Anyway, Gideon flies his ship into the planet and kills himself in the most awesome way possible. Nadell bails because she didn't like him anyway, and Sisko is left without a date to the space prom. It's sad, is what it is. So, when you say he's strolling mournfully, you don't mean with Morn. No, no. Okay. Morn doesn't show up until the next episode. All right. I, okay, first of all, there's the whole plot contrivance of, I miss my dead wife, it's the anniversary of her death, oh look, I've just met a beautiful woman. Yep, that's handy. That's, so already they're kicking off sort of on the wrong foot. I think I'll go out for a sad walk. Oh, hey, how's it going, beautiful woman? 
How would you like to hang out with me on my sad walk? We can look at the stars. Secondly, these two spend all of ten minutes together. Yeah. And they're madly in love. Completely and utterly in love with each other. And all they've had is conversations about how she shares absolutely no details about herself. Yep. Now, I get it, her falling in love with him, because she's supposed to be like a, uh, you know, dream that he has sex with or something. So, right. Like, I can see her just being all like, yeah, I'm in love with you forever now. But, you know, Cisco, you're better than this. I can see him being sort of infatuated. I oh, met yeah, a beautiful totally. lady who's into me. And, and and actually, my good thing is Avery Brooks' acting. Mm-hmm. Uh, despite the dumb premise, I found myself feeling really good for him when he started falling in love and then really bad when it all fell apart for him. Well, the thing is, when Cisco's in love, it's the most obvious thing in the entire world. You don't realize how little Cisco smiles. Yeah. Until you see him smiling a lot and you're like, that's unnatural. Oh, wow. He's so happy. Yeah, and it's it's nice because we like this guy, and he's a nice guy. He's a little weird, which we like about him, and he's he's you know well, he I deserves mean, that, something. That, that weirdness comes out when he's in love too. It absolutely it, does. I'm so happy to see you. Ha ha! Going to do a dance. He he really sells the goofy giddiness of falling in love with someone. Yep. I mean, you know, even if it's not full on in love, even if it's like I say, just sort of infatuation, he's. He's into somebody for yep. the first time since this big tragedy, and, and you can totally get that. Yep. And, and everyone around him can get that. I just love uh, Jake's, Dad, are you in love? Yep. Why it would you some... think that? You know, well, you've been dancing around and clicking your heels and stuff and writing, I am in love in the mirror. <laughs> it takes Jake, like, half of dinner that night yep. to figure it out. You didn't laugh at my vomit story, so you're clearly in love. <laughs> Jake telling this great story about how someone in school threw up. Yep. Fascinating dinner talk, Jake. I like your uh, I like your note. Uh, I thought pe- I thought we'd evolve beyond the need for throwing up in Gene's <laughs> ideal future. Well, apparently not. <laughs> I and once again we point this out a lot, but it's it bears repeating. I think the the um, relationship between Cisco and Jake. Oh yeah, no, they're they're great. I mean, the acting and the writing both. Uh-huh. Just fantastic. You, you you know, you really buy this relationship. And Jake has that moment that you have to have in this situation where he's like, you know what? I'm I'm still sad about mom, but you have to move on with your life and I'm yeah. okay if you date somebody. Yeah. Dad, Which if you nice. need sex, that's fine. I get it. Yeah. I'm getting it from a Dabo girl. So, yeah, apparently you know. Jake's dating a Dabo girl. Which is, you He's know. 14. Yeah, I, I, there, there's some debate among us uh, about exactly how old he's supposed to be. I think he's supposed to be about 16, but regardless. Mm-hmm. Dating a stripper. Yeah. Nice one, Jake. They might not be full-on strippers, but they are. Their their whole job is to be scantily clad ladies at a gambling establishment. Yep. Which isn't exactly, you know. I'm a little off-put that she's apparently still in school. Well, she could be in college. I suppose. Miss O'Brien's college. Oh, Hopefully Keiko doesn't also teach the community college on the station. Oh, God. <laughs> Welcome to Criminology 101! <laughs> now I'm just transposing things from community onto Deep Space <laughs> Quark and Odo in the morning. Keiko's come down with a bad case of Changnesia. Oh. That's the worst. It was not a good season. No, it wasn't. Uh, I didn't. I didn't see it, so I couldn't tell you. You're better off. Uh, so what was your good it's, thing about this episode? I liked uh, Professor Gideon whatever the fuck. 
really enjoyable as the biggest dick in the entire universe. Normally I would hate someone that pleased with himself, but god damn, he was just so damn likable. It felt like the writers were aware of the fact that they have these scientist characters who are so full of themselves. Yep. And they so they made him self-aware. Yep. He's like, yep, I'm the greatest. Look at me. I love talking about myself. And Show it, of hands who's made a planet. Just yep. me? What I thought. But but there's that extra layer of he knows he's an arrogant ass. Yeah. Which makes him kind of lovable. Yeah. In a, in a like, this is my crazy uncle kind of way. I also really liked your uh, your theory that he's doing it to hide his, uh, like, depression or whatever, which well, I think is really, really clever. There's there's definitely a thread of sadness to his life. Like, I've done all this great stuff, and he even quotes this uh, Klingon poem yeah. about how you have to uh, feel bad for the warrior who's killed all his enemies. Oh, like, Klingon poem about war about warriors in honor? You don't say. I know. But the, the, the point I'm pretty sure he's trying to make is <sighs> this is it. That, like, I'm doing this great thing, and what else is there left? <clears throat> you know, it's the it's the Alexander the Great thing, weeping because there's no more worlds to conquer. Like, this is this is it for me. And you get this sort of, like, the vibe that, on the one hand, he's trying to convince everyone he's happy because he's great. But underneath it all, it's like, I've done great stuff, but that's it. My life's kind of over, and my wife is not that into me, and well, this you know, is it. On his, like, ninth wife. Yep. And, that's a lot. Uh, and, that's a lot. The way that uh, the chick plays his wife versus the way she plays Fena. Fena. Everyone keeps saying the name and it doesn't get less silly every time they say nope. it. Excuse me, sir. Would you like some more crushed Fena on this? <laughs> I don't know. Is that fresh, uh, organic, locally grown Fena? <laughs> Just tell me when to stop. Grind, grind, grind. <laughs> But the way she plays the wife, there is that sort of underlying sadness. Her her race uh, mates for life. Yep. And you get the impression that she chose poorly and now she's stuck with it. Yep. And so, again, that feeds back into my theory that he's, he knows this. Mm -hmm. He's not terribly happy about it. And the only way he can get out of it is to fucking kill himself. It's probably a better way out of that. But you know what? When you're that guy, you want you don't do things by half measures. <laughs> this is true. His, his last words as he's crashing this experimental ship into a thing that's going to make a sun is, Let there be light! Which is just fucking perfect. Tell them I, tell them I lay my head on the altar of science! Yep. It was fantastic. Of course, the, that, that, that whole situation feeds into your bad thing. Uh, yeah. <laughs> so... On the on the sh on the ship on the Prometheus the Prometheus which you pointed out not a great name for a spaceship no also a ship that's igniting a sun stealing uh -huh. fire from the gods really the Prometheus. at least they didn't uh, at least they didn't call it the Icarus this time well I suppose that's true that's the other sun igniting uh, <laughs> ship the USS Kid Icarus uh huh the USS Eggplant Wizard right anyway so we meet the captain of this ship wow. <laughs> Dude has all the enthusiasm of Gene Wilder telling, telling a fat kid not to get into a pipe. No, stop. Come back. Captain, the professor's going to kill himself. Please don't kill yourself. Think of all you have to live for. Also, his command presence uh -huh. is is negligible. Like, I, I seriously thought Cisco was in charge of the mission. Yeah. Because the captain just does almost nothing to... Well, I to to stop the professor, but also really anything. Yeah, he just sort of sits on in the in his chair and uh, watches watches it happen. things happen. Yep, 
And as you point out in your summary, we're not even sure why DS9 is involved with any of this in the first place. Yeah, we watched this episode twice now, and I have no idea why they're there. I mean, I assume it's because this planet, this uh, sun that they're experimenting on is close to the station. Yeah. Like, this is the nearest Federation outpost, we're going to camp out here. But, I, I don't know, maybe yeah, maybe it's in no the Gata Quadrant? thinks to mention it. Yeah, it, it doesn't matter that much. But it does give it the feel of a next-gen plot because it feels yeah. more like something they should be doing rather than something that the It DS9 definitely felt like a, uh, like a next-gen plot, which is weird. It was originally supposed to be uh, about Bashir. Yeah, I, I read about that. And um, I don't know. I mean, I guess <coughs> they probably decided not to do that because uh, they just did a love story with him a few yeah. weeks ago. Well, apparently Cisco, they felt Cisco had been a little underdeveloped. Yeah, I was reading, I've been reading a little, like, you know, I've been reading Memory Alpha as we go. Yeah. Uh-huh. And their, their sort of developing philosophy for Cisco is that he's a builder. I don't okay. know if you've been, if you've read that or not. Uh, no. They, to distinguish him from Picard, which was important for them to do. Which right. Absolutely. Well, it is. is. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Picard, the explorer, you know, that's like the one word that describes Picard. He's totally an explorer. That's mm-hmm. what he wants. That's what he wants to do. And, and Cisco is a builder. Like, He's out there creating stuff, and he stays with it to make sure it holds together. I could kind of see that, yeah. And that's that's sort of the the overriding philosophy of the type of character that he is. And I just I've been reading a little more about this every week, and yeah. it's it's interesting to me, and it's an interesting take on the kind of character he is. Yeah, I mean, I could see that. Like he comes to sort of fix Deep Space Nine, and he sort of stays to fix Bajor. Right. And it, that's, it's that's interesting. Yeah. No, I like it, and I like that they thought that deeply about it. Yeah. And they never come out and say, he's a builder. But he's that's... Bob the Builder. Yes. <laughs> but he, he, you know, now I'm picturing him with a hard hat. Right? And a and wrench. A, yes. Giant, over comically oversized wrench. Can we fix it? Yes, we can! O'Brien's like, that's my wrench. Hey, hey, hey! O'Brien was back in this episode, which is nice. He wasn't in, in a like, cameo the last couple. appearance, but yeah. Yeah, in, in both of these, actually. Yep. He's barely in them, but he wasn't in like the, the previous two or three episodes at all. No. I think he was off making movies or something. So it's nice to have him back. Same with Jake. Yep. Jake wasn't around for a bit. He nice was also playing back. an Irish mob boss. <laughs> Less convincing. Yeah, a little bit. A teenage American. Not very convincing as an Irish mob boss. <laughs> I kind of see the movie with the both of them in it, playing Irish gangsters. Yeah, like opposing Irish gangsters. Yep. In some kind of Irish gang war. Yep. Some kind of potato war. I don't know. All I know about the Irish comes from Star Trek, so, yep. uh, you know, if it's a little bit racist, well, it's Star Trek's fault. It's a little embarrassing, considering you have an Irish friend. Do I? Oh, so I do. <laughs> well, all I know about Ireland comes from Star Trek. I'm like, does Irish Gav know who you're talking about? Oh, Irish Gav is the one. Oh, right. Okay. That's why we call him Irish Gav. I thought it was his first name. <laughs> but his first name was Irish and his last name was Gav. Middle name, Mr. <laughs> I thought the Gavs were brothers. English Gav and Irish Gav. See, that makes sense. It worked for the Mario Brothers. It absolutely did. <laughs> So, my bad thing for this episode, this has all the hallmarks of one of those Bran and Braga mysteries that, yep. that cropped up a lot in late next gen. Let's make some weird shit happen to shake up one of our characters and then techno babble an explanation at the end. Yeah, it's like, it was an hour of, like, what the hell is going on, and then I don't care what the hell is going on. 
Well, I was, I, I kept, when I was doing my notes, I would write, uh, this is terrible. And then I would backspace. I don't know that it's terrible yet. Like, it you know what I mean? It's like, just probably terrible. I assumed that the, that the resolution would be a terrible cop-out, but I, I, I wasn't being fair. But it turned no, out I was right anyway. But yeah, it was a terrible cop-out. It was. What the hell kind of race of people just create a dude? So they're, they're telepaths who can create, I guess, mind projections? Yeah. And they I, just, they, like, it's not that big. It, it's basically, if you've heard of her race, it should be common knowledge you that, would she think. Created, that she created this chick. Oh, those are the guys who can make projections of their mind. That seems of like a notable course. thing. They shoot it out of their pointed ears. Uh, they they got pointed ears, but they're, like, double pointed. Like, they, yep. they, it comes to two points. Yeah. So that, that makes it different, I uh, guess? I, I don't know. I don't know. The second point is what makes the person. Sure. If Spock had two points, he could have made people too. Instead, they opted for two eyelids. Yep. They chose poorly. Yes. Uh, but yeah, they, they sort of telegraphed, like I said, but for one thing, Cisco misses his wife's and then immediately has a love story. That, that was kind of lame. Yep. And then, like, Jake has a bad dream and they're talking about dreams and then this chick essentially ends up being a dream. Yep. It's just like... I hate when they do that. I hate when we get what feels like a nice character moment and it just ends up fucking telegraphing what happens later. Yeah, no, it was, it was just so that we would be thinking about dreams. Right. Which, you know, magic dreams. Uh -huh. what a, well, it's, it's still better than Bever fucks the ghost, but not much. Only because the actor involved is good. Yep. And has some good character moments. Mm -hmm. Like I said, there's there's some nice... There's a, there's a nice moment between Cisco and Dax. Oh, yeah. Where she's like, so you want to tell me what's going on? And he's like, well, no. She, oh, because I'm a woman now? Like, we can't, <laughs> we can't talk man to man anymore because I'm a woman? And nope. she gives him this cute little sort of like hands on hips thing. And, yep. And yeah, he does that delightful, like, <laughs> fills up a room laugh yep. that he has. And and it's another one Cisco. of those. What's up? I fucking love Cisco. <laughs> He is, he, it, it, the laugh is another one of those things that make you realize few people on TV laugh. Yeah. Like, you don't hear a character actually make the noise of a laugh. And actually, you get a lot of laughing in this one. You do. Because everyone, apparently everyone's trying to impress uh, Gideon something or other. Well, no, he he will say, <laughs> yes, because I'm the greatest. <laughs> and then everyone sort of feels compelled to laugh along. <laughs> <laughs> Well, actually, that that sort of brings us to your quote, doesn't it? Yes, it does. Which is, uh, which is Kira just wanting to bail. I fucking love Kira at this dinner party, just desperate to get out, and Cisco's like, oh, no, 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 no. Commander, do you think he'd notice if we weren't here when he got back? Don't even think about it, Major. I've had dinner with about two dozen Bajoran ministers. I think you owe me this one. Besides, Sayatek is one of the Federation's greatest minds. I know. He told me. The thing is, I don't really get why she's there. She's not part of Starfleet. No, but she is there. Like, I, I guess if the planet is, like, you know, near Bajor... I suppose. You know, but then it, it becomes a Bajoran thing, and she is the face of Bajor on the station. Right. But they don't really say that. Again, we're not really clear what the station's involvement with yeah. this is. At best, it involves Starfleet, and these guys are Starfleet, but Kara's got nothing to do with that. Yeah. 
Maybe Cisco just invited her to, as revenge. Yeah, that could be. It, it sure you sounds like You want to come to dinner it. tonight? Oh, that sounds nice. Good. We're having it with the professor from whatever. Oh, you already said I'm yes. Busy. <laughs> I actually had a note about him. Uh, I said this guy's way too impressed with himself unless you're Paul F. Tompkins. Don't laugh at your own jokes. <laughs> yeah, that's he's, fair. He's the only one who's allowed to do that. Yep. In fairness, though, he had this whole speech about how he never fails, and I was sure that was going to be, like, terrible, you know, like, hubris. Like, yeah. I can't believe this is the first time I've failed! But he he didn't. It actually succeeded. Yep. Um, nice little nod to Star Trek II. Oh, the, yeah, the, uh... The thing uses protomatter. Yep. Which is what uh, Kirk's cheating son used in the Genesis device when it failed, and yep. I guess I guess they got it under control now. I like something. I like the idea that they're like they don't actually talk about uh, Genesis, but you know they're similar projects, so it's nice to see one building on the other. Yeah, and the proto matter made a, a planet fall apart and become uninhabitable, but I guess it wouldn't matter for a sun. No, those are allowed to fall apart and become right. uninhabitable. Yeah, you, you you're not really... allowed to live on the sun. Well, we don't know that. I bet Voyager met some aliens from the sun. No, you specifically, Al, are not allowed to oh. live on the sun. Oh, right. There's that uh, restraining order. Yeah, you got that sign that says no owls. Yeah, I forgot about that. Yeah. yeah, but it says no owls, plural. There can be one. Yeah, there already is one. Oh. Al Gore. Damn it. Well, sorry, Al. <laughs> I'll keep my lockbox here. I'm just here uh, living on the sun. <laughs> is that your Hank Hill, like, lower to pitch? Apparently it is. I'll Damn it, Dale, I'm trying to live on the sun. Damn it, Tipper. <laughs> Damn it, Bobby. Uh, let's see what else. Uh, Cisco uses Odo to stalk Fennec. Oh, yeah, that was... I love uh, Odo's rea reaction to that. Like, even he can tell Cisco's in love. Yep. But he's got no, he's got no patience for yeah. humanoids and their love. <laughs> and it's a nice sort of, like, I don't think he rolls his eyes, but he basically rolls his yeah. eyes. Uh, whatever. Which is nice. Like, I don't have enough to do. <laughs> There's just, just a great scene between them where he's like, uh, I want you to help me find this woman. All right. What What's she look like? Well, she's about this tall. Okay. That's it. That's all I got. Get to work. <laughs> she's 1.7 meters tall, brown skin, and wears a red dress. That's all I got. Now find her. <sighs> all right. You're lucky I'm good at this. Yeah, no kidding. You're lucky Gul Dukat made me good at this. <laughs> he was always having me hunt down women in red dresses. That dude was weird. <laughs> we had Quark actually trying to be nice. Oh, yeah. There's been a lot of that going on where Quark's just genu genuinely trying to be nice to people and then just like, oh, fuck off, Quark. Yep. You gross Ferengi. Yeah. Why are you so gross and love profit? But it's like Cisco is clearly dejected that yep. his his girlfriend has disappeared, and and Quark's like, uh, "You want to talk about it? Not with you." Like here, it's, have a, it's here, so have a giant beer. Yeah, here I'll I'll buy you a drink, which is like unheard of. Yep. No, I I don't want you to. I buy, don't like, want your filthy drink, and I don't want to talk to you. Like, wow, really? Fine, whatever. I mean, I'm sure Quark has some you know ulterior motive, but still, he, he is making a gesture. Don't yeah. be a dick. And Cisco's being all, like, smiley and happy with everybody else. Yeah. Not to Quark, though. Nope. Maybe he's still upset that, you know, he almost got everyone killed a few weeks ago. Ah, it's understandable. Yeah. Look, everyone makes mistakes, though. Come on. Uh, I suppose that's true, except I for mean, Odo. I mean, you know, how many people have you almost gotten killed? I've gotten a few. 
almost? Almost killed. No, I don't do things in half measures. <laughs> if I want to get somebody killed, I get them killed. No more half measures, Al. <laughs> uh, let's see. That's pretty much all I have. I think so, yeah. I didn't have a whole lot of notes on this one. I have just the normal amount, but it's uh, most of it is, oh, that's dumb. This uh -huh. is dumb. Stop yep. being dumb. It was all really dumb. It was it was pretty dumb, but it didn't make me angry. No. The next episode almost made me throw stuff at the TV. Yeah. Like That's a, a very special kind of bad episode. But it's bad in a way that's like there's a certain measure of good writing to it because I I'm sort of invested in some of the characters. Mhm. Mm like and we'll, and we'll get to this in a, in a sec when I when I tell you what happened. But essentially Characters I cared about were being sort of shit upon by characters I didn't care about. Yeah. And I was angry for the people I cared about. Like, I was angry for Kira for being sort of abused by this... Well, here, here, let me let me tell yeah. you. Let me tell you about a little episode called Sanctuary. Sanctuary! From out of the wormhole comes a new kind of alien from the Gamma Quadrant. Giant-haired, flaky-skinned aliens whose wacky culture puts the women in charge of the men! Things are so different in the Gamma Quadrant, you guys. Being as they are alien, it takes the Universal Translator a bit of time to interpret their words, but the first thing it spits out in clear English is the phrase, my people. Oh boy. Hanik, the reluctant leader of this ragtag band of skin-shedding grossnicks, <laughs> indicates that there are three million more of Screans itching and flaking their way to make it to the Alpha Quadrant. Their planet was destroyed by that mysterious dominion that Quark was trying to buy berries from a few weeks ago. Ancient prophecy spoke of a planet of sorrow that the Screens would re relocate to, and despite me yelling, it's obviously Bajor at the TV, it takes her f a two full acts to realize this. Once she does, she asks the provisional government of Bajor to let her and her three million friends just move right in. But the Bajorans are hesitant. Hey, they say sensibly enough, we just get out of a really abusive relationship and we're still trying to figure some things out and we're just not looking for a roommate right now, let alone three million of them. Hanik gets, like, really super pissed off at this, despite the fact that Sisko has found her an entire Class M planet that they can just have. Also, her son, or possibly husband, I wasn't very clear on this, played by Chekhov's son, who also played Boner on Growing Pains, steals the ship and tries to go to Bejor on his own, but the ship is broken and it explodes. I guess we're meant to care about this. Anyway, the episode ends with the Screens departing for the free planet that the Federation just gave to them, and somehow this is meant to be an unhappy ending. Because, as we have well established by this point, everyone from the Gamma Quadrant is a jerk. Ugh. Yeah, so just her her anger at Kira made me angry for Kira. Like, she just, she does a complete uh, 180 on Kira. Yeah, they, they have some great bonding moments. They have some nice sort of, you know, like, you know, they, learning uh, about each other. And they have stuff a really like nice that. scene regarding a hideous dress that was my good thing. Oh, yeah. The only good thing in the episode. Yeah, when they first get to the station, they're sort of wandering through the promenade to get to the infirmary. Picking they... things up and flaking all over them. And that was a nice detail, by the way, the, the fact that they flake all over everything. Oh, God. That's a, that is a sort of disgusting thing that nobody treats as a good thing. No. I just, I, I like it. It sort of sticks with you. Like, Ugh. when we try to remember this episode in a year, it'll be like the one with the flaky aliens. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. We are the Screens, and it is a great blessing for us to dump our skin cells all over your stuff. Blah. But they stop at a, in a dress shop, and the translator's not working yet, and the woman keeps pointing at the dress, pointing at the dress, and Kira thinks she likes it. Mm. 
And it's nice because Kara buys her the dress and she's like, what? No, this is this is terrible. I I hated this. No, I was. It is revolting. Yeah. (laughs) No, it's a it's a it's a great little scene between the two of them. And they have a few like that. There's a there's a great scene where Kira realizes that these three men with her are her husbands. And she's like, "Uh, do you sleep with them? And And she's she's, like, yes, don't you? Yeah. Don't you sleep with your men? Where are your men? Go sleep with them. Yeah, and she goes, I don't, I don't have men. I'm between men right now. Right now. And she's like, yeah, I'm between men, too. Da-da-da. <laughs> See, I meant between in the sense. No, that... I got it. It was good. Yeah, okay. Um, But yeah, they, they actually seem to bond, and the actor isn't that bad that plays the, the tall-heritage chick. No, she's fine, and I, like, you know, I'm sympathetic for her at first as this woman who's suddenly, like, shoved in charge of all these people just because she happened to fall in a hole. Right. She's the one who found the wormhole, or the eye of the universe, as they call it. Which no one could figure out was the wormhole. Yeah, everyone's like, eye of the universe? What could that what mean? What could that mean? And Oda's like, you know, they did just come through the wormhole. World's greatest detective, thank you. I'm out. <laughs> Anyone wants me, I'll be doing some work. <laughs> I'll be looking for some mysterious chick in red. Oh, I found her, by the way. Oh, come on! <laughs> But yeah, it's it, there's it, it's the same thing with what I said about uh, the Planet of Sorrow, where we spend the first part of the episode reestablishing the fact that Bajor is still rebuilding and having a hard time. Yep. And then she says, Planet of Sorrow is like, well, obviously it's Bajor. It's Bajor. It's Bajor. Come on. Yeah. And they're like, where could this mysterious planet from the prophecies be? We only have so many planets. It's got to be one of them. But <sighs> which? Cardassia? Hmm. Gorn Planet? <laughs> Ferenganar? <laughs> I'm sure they would love a culture ruled entirely by women. Yep. I like that Quark's disgusted by them. Yeah, he really is. Just so we can establish the pecking order, everyone thinks the Ferengi are disgusting, and the Ferengi are not the lowest ones. Nope. I mean, he's right. They're gross. Yep. They're, and gross, they don't... they're gross jerk people. And they don't buy anything. Nope. So if you want gross people wandering through your shops and getting their filthy, gross hands all over your stuff, why not try the screens? They'll uh, live on your couch. The The worst <laughs> thing is that um, uh, I believe it's Michael Westmore, the, uh, the, the makeup guy, the main makeup guy, mm. said this was one of his favorite uh, alien designs. Really? Yeah. And it's like they, there are some fantastic aliens. We point this out a lot yep. for this show. Fantastic background aliens and stuff on the show. and uh, In this episode? Yeah. In the previous episode, there were these two little guys. Like they, I think they were played by little people because yep. they maybe came up to Cisco's waist at best. Mm-hmm. I, just walking by. They look yep. kind of like uh, Scotty's little friend in, Star- in, the, in the reboot. Yep. And it's just walking by. And it's like, whoa, that's neat. I've never seen little aliens before. Like they're, they're adding little details that they haven't done before. But the screens, there's not, not so a much. real, not really unique there. It's basically like, well, let's take Odo and then make him gross. It's not even that good because Odo is smooth. That's like yeah. his his primary characteristic. Yep. These guys look like they have cornflakes hot glued to their faces. Ugh, so gross. Yep. And I, I, they, this is actually my bad thing. Apart from being horrible impositions and huge ingrates, the screens are just some of the worst designed aliens I've ever seen. Which, so the total, like, summing them up, there's no nothing redeeming about them whatsoever. No, they're just awful. They look terrible, they act terrible, they are terrible. <laughs> <laughs> I 
and they want and they want to sleep with you. They want to it's, uh, literally just walk up to a house of people you've never met before, knock on the door, and say hi. My entire family would like to move in with you. Uh huh. Now multiply that by a billion, and then get really angry when they say, "Well, no, we'd like to help you, but we don't think we can." And it's not even no. It's well, let's see if we can do this. Is there a place for them here? No, we're in the middle of rebuilding our entire civilization. We don't have room for you right now. We can't help you if something goes wrong, and we'll have to because you've suddenly decided that you're our guests. Yeah. So, like, no, you can't live. You can't live on our uh, on our planet that was just owned by someone else. Not only that, but they just met this alien race. For all the Bajorans know, these three million swarming aliens could be an invading force. Yeah. Like, they don't touch on that, which, you know, it doesn't really fit the themes of the episode, so I get that. But that's got to be a consideration, too. Like, <laughs> okay, three million aliens just pop out from the wormhole, want to live on your planet. Hmm. Do we do we want more, you know, aliens swarming on our planet? Not really. Last time that didn't go so well. And, like, the other thing is just the way they present it is, like, you know, Cisco's trying to find them a planet, and he's... You know, he's like, get get up here, we found you a planet. Mm-hmm. And this woman goes, oh, no, don't worry, we found one. It's your planet. Yeah. And Kira's like, but what? Just, just the, the audacity of just, no, we're coming to live with you. And a planet. He found them a planet. like A whole planet. Because, again, we... it's Star Trek. We have, we're lousy with places people can live. Yeah, but I mean, a Class M planet that's capable of all the specific stuff that they need. Yep. And is close enough that they can get there in their broken-ass ships. Yep. And he still managed to find a perfect Class M planet that had, like, long-growing seasons and, like... Like, he talked about the specific criteria. It wasn't just... You know, nice, like, not horrible winters. Yeah, it wasn't just breathable air and water. There There were other factors involved, and he still managed to find one. Yeah. And they're just like, nope, don't want it. No, and like I say, at the end, when when this is what they have to resort to, according to Memory Alpha, the writers meant for this to be the sad ending. Like originally, the happy ending was they got to live on Bejor, and they're like, no, 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 it needs to be a sad ending. They go live on this perfect Eden that uh, yeah, but they're really upset about it. But I don't, I what? Fuck you! I don't get how that's a sad ending. No, ugh. It's I guess if they'd handled stupid uh, Chekhov's son stealing a ship and dying better. That could have been sad. Nah. But that's sort of one of those late, like, you know, here, the fifth act, we need some deadly danger bullshit. Yeah, well, the th- the other thing is that Chekhov's kid spends the entire episode being completely unlikable, too, so... Oh, yeah, a horrible chip on his shoulder, and he's yep. like, Jake's, like, trying to make friends with him, and he's like, uh, here, you guys are going to this planet. Do you want to live there? And Jake's like, no, I live here. And he's like, yeah, me neither. <laughs> well... <laughs> Yeah, but I'm not a refugee from a planet that got destroyed. Yeah, sorry, buddy. I already have a home. Yeah. If I was homeless, I probably would want to live on that planet. I would want to live anywhere. Yes. I see, I see you admiring this gift horse we got you. <laughs> especially in the mouth area. <laughs> nice. You prick. Except it would be like an Andorian gift Ugh. horse. And the Andorians looking... don't believe in gifting horses. And you're looking at it in the Tiberian mouth. In the Tiberian you got to make it more, you got to alien it up a bit. So, so to look at Teldarian Merhorse in the, and Tozian basket. Anus mouth. There you go. 
So we've effectively already touched on this, but let's 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 call out your bad thing specifically. So this one's boring as hell. Yeah. Like I could not give two goddamn shits about the screen people. Hey, we got you. We got a planet for you to live on. Well, we don't want to live there. We want to live with you. But we just had a war. We don't have a place for three million people. Well, you're well. Then you're monsters. Monsters who are leaving us to die. Yeah, her reaction is seriously like she will not talk to Kira. She no longer makes no. eye contact with her. They're not friends anymore. She like when Kira comes to say, "Well, I hope everything works out for you." Oh, did you come to beg for forgiveness? Uh, no. For, for what? What what does she need to be forgiven for? For being very nice and accommodating and I got you, you a planet. Yeah. A planet. An entire fucking planet. Oh my god. Like this is the Alpha Quadrant, you know, could say, look, we, we, we've got lots of worlds that are being colonized and whatever, and go find something in the Gamma Quadrant. This isn't our problem. Yeah. But no, Cisco's really interested in being sort of the, the you know, uh, the olive branch, the guy that, that shows the Gamma Quadrant that, that everything's cool over here. Yeah. And he wants to help them. But, and, uh, uh, nope, just not interested. Just terrible. Ugh. Um, I don't just ugh. Yeah, it's I'm so mad. But the th but the thing is, like I said, we're mad because they they were jerks to people we like. Yeah, like there's some there's some good writing under the boring stuff. There's like the fact that these people were able to provoke these emotional reactions in us. You know what I mean? Like if it's like rebels, I just don't care. No, I cared about these guys because they made me angry. Like, don't piss all over the hospitality of my good friend, Ben Sisko. Yeah, look at him. He's a nice guy. He's trying to help you out. Yeah. But he's, he's not helping us the way we want to be helped. Yeah. So fuck him. Ugh. And Kira's like, Kira, she's trying to, to get shit straight on the planet while she's also still trying to do her job on the station. While she's got this musician guy at Quark's trying to bug her about something. And then she's got to help these people. Like, she's got her fucking plate full. Yeah. And then to just be smacked in the face like this. Just, Fuck you, uh, bitch. Where's our house? Yeah. In your backyard. <laughs> now, I, I, my quote actually comes from the very beginning of the episode where we where we get a, a hint of this, of, of Kira sort of having her plate full. <laughs> and this was the moment where Amanda was watching and realized, oh, I'm not Dax, am I? I'm Kira. Yeah. I just spent the whole day yesterday talking to Minister Roseanne about irrigating the Trilar Peninsula. How did you know? It's hard to keep a secret in ops, especially when you've been shouting at a monitor for the last two days. <sighs> Thought I kept it down to an angry whisper. It's never easy to find out when you're Kira. Yeah. Well, you know, I spend my entire life trying to be Ernie, and I realize now I'm Bert. Yeah. I yeah. just that's It's one of those things, you know? You, you want to be John, but you realize you're just Paul. Yeah. It's just... But at least you're not Ringo, so, you know. That's true. Hey, he got more fan mail than anybody. That's fine. He was still Ringo. Fair enough. Um, speaking of musicians. I like what you did there. We had that guy in Quark. The guy who played the station administrator in The Trouble with Tribbles 30 years prior. Keep them away from my grain, yeah, Captain, Captain Kirk. Kirk my, my station is full of Klingons, that guy. He's, um, <laughs> what? I just like that. Oh, all right. That was pretty good. He, um, he's, a, he's a Bajoran musician who plays the theme from Deep Space Nine. To a to a rousing, uh, 
crowd at uh, at Quarks. At least Nichelle Nichols didn't show up to give it lyrics. That's true. Um, and and you know everyone's just like watching enraptured and not gambling and not buying food and drinks and Quarks just like pissed off about it. And, Come on. Uh, yeah. Can't you play something a little more upbeat? How about this? There's a place. That's a song of a place I want to have a drink at. I want that song to completely start over every time someone new walks in the door. <laughs> From the beginning. Da, 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 like that. But but Kira made an arrangement with Quark, apparently, to try this guy out. And then she comes down and yells at Quark for being concerned that it's not working out. <coughs> like, it's it's another example of him doing something nice. Yep. And people just shitting on him for it. Yep. It's like, look, this is this is a fucking bar slash casino. This this Enya shit ain't exactly what we want here. <laughs> it is. It sounds like something when you're getting a you know when you're getting a, a deep tissue massage at the New Age store or a high colonic. Yes, with a crystal. Yes, at the at the New Age. Here, store. rub this crystal on yourself. Right. Now you're magic. I'm a magic. I'm a hey. I'm a hey. No, that's a little too upbeat. It's uh, it's it it is it literally is the theme from Deep Space Nine, uh, which is a bit uh, da, 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 da. Deep Space Nine. Yeah, but it brings a tear to Morn's eye. Well, yes, he's a big fan of Bajoran culture. I think if we've learned anything from this show, it's that. That and uh, he's got a thing for you know more human-looking women. I think clearly. He's got a he's got a Starfleet chick cuddle partner there. Yep, just hanging on his shoulder. Yep. Oh, Morn, you're so deep. <laughs> That's right, baby. I don't know what he sounds like. I think he sounds like that. That's pretty good. Hey, baby. How you doing? <laughs> like um like Barry White? Yeah. We got to oh, go on, baby. Oh, yeah. <laughs> everybody, like everybody sexy everybody. slither of a lady snake. <laughs> everybody comes back to Morn's. <laughs> oh. Morn's. Baby. No, it's 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 quarks. It's not more. <laughs> I think you're confused. Maybe I am. Alright. Now if you'll excuse me, I'm gonna go sleep on a park bench in the promenade. Odo <laughs> pokes me with a stick. I oh. will say, as as terrible as the alien design for the for the screens was, we did get I don't know, it felt like 50 of them. Yeah, that was cool. Streaming in, which like, I guess is why the makeup guy liked it, because he could apply it to large amounts of people. Yeah, they do do a great job of having it look like the station is just swarmed with these guys. Yeah, where we see two or three different airlocks opening and just these guys just like pouring in. Yep. And there's a really nice shot uh, when at the beginning of one of the acts when they come back from commercial where you see just tons and tons of ships. Yep. You see them like all docked everywhere on the station and then off into the distance in space. And it looks pretty cool. There's like a line coming out of the wormhole. Right. Ship's getting cut in half as it tries to open and close. <laughs> the prophets are like, this This is bullshit. Get out of here. One guy at the back. Hurry up. I got to use the bathroom. <laughs> oh, see, in their culture, the men's room is for the ladies. What? Yeah. There was, that was, I get what they were trying to do, but that was a bit mm -hmm. heavy handed. That's, it, and it felt really tacked on too. It did. I don't know. At this actually, my good thing was I kind of like the fact that the Universal Translator couldn't immediately translate them. Yeah. There's there's a whole. We spend a good five or ten minutes gradually moving from complete 
just not being able to understand each other to, you know, speaking the same language. And it's, yeah. it's a nice, like, I wish they would do more of that. Not yeah. specifically that, but just, this is the whole other side of the galaxy. Like these cultures should be so foreign that it, you know, you, yeah, it, you don't it immediately. Should, it should take a while to sort of. Yeah. And, and again, it would, it would get tedious if they did this every time. Right. But. It's neat to, it's neat for them to, to, you know, try something different. Yeah. And to acknowledge that, this is a strange alien culture that it takes a while to, to sort of get on the same page with. Yeah. And I think that's also what they were trying to do with the, with the matriarchy thing, mm -hmm. because while they couldn't communicate, this chick would only listen to Kira. Yeah. Which was kind of cool, but it just, it, I don't know. That felt more like, let's throw some social commentary in on top of everything else. Yeah. As if we don't have enough going on this week. Right. And yet with all that going on, it was still kind of boring. Yeah. Really kind of boring. Although we did get another mention of the Dominion. Yep. Which, you know, as... Apparently as, they'll just put that in bad episodes. <laughs> as we are specifically... You liked that episode. I did though. like that one, but I apparently was in the minority. <laughs> we, we, we're we trying not to spoil things for people, but we will say the Dominion is sort of a big deal. We're, yeah. we're kind of pointing out that it's, you know, this will come up again. I hate to be the one to tell you this, but uh, we're kind of a big deal. Yes. And, uh, it, it, you know, it's nice. We get our first indication that maybe these guys aren't maybe benevolent. The best guys ever. Like, like before we heard of them as a possible trade partner with the Ferengi, and that's all we knew. Yeah. This time it's like, oh, and they, they also conquer planets. Uh, we might oh. want to keep an eye on that. Hmm. That may hmm. be a thing. Oh, dear. Which is, you know, so that's it's kind of cool that they're gradually building up to that. Um... There was there was a bit of what I thought was kind of heavy-handed with Nog being a bit sexist, sort of to contrast the whole matriarchal society uh, thing. Like, look, Nog's got a different attitude toward women than they do. Uh-huh. Yeah. Whatever. Yeah. Like, we need another reason to think the Ferengi are gross. Yeah. He did throw a stink bomb at Chekhov's kid, though. That's fine. So would I. So that was, you know, that was nice. <laughs> Take us back to your dad. <laughs> And then, and then we get Quark or uh, uh, Odo bellowing "Nog." <laughs> that was nice. Quark's ears perk up. Oh no, never mind. <laughs> Thought my best friend was calling me. You want something? No, I was talking to your nephew. Oh. Oh. Well, I'll come pick him up because his his dad is stupid. Yeah. Well, how are you doing? You want to hang out? No. Why would I want to do that? Hey, where are you going? <laughs> Can I come with you? <laughs> what are you doing today? You want to go to a movie together, but we're not actually friends? Yeah, all right. We'll sit in separate spots, like, you know, <laughs> across the theater from each other. Their friendship is complicated. Yeah, clearly. Um, That's really all I had. Like, I was I was very upset just that these people were such ingrates. I had about ten notes on this thing just because it was, ugh. Yeah. Just not good. Not, not particularly great, no. Ugh. And it's rare for us to run into this with this show. Like, to, to get two, you know, not great ones in a row. Yeah, but man. Yeah. Sometimes not, it happens. Not good. No. But on the other hand, there's still, you know, in both episodes, there's still some interesting character stuff going on. Uh-huh. Like, when we had bad next-gen episodes or even bad original series episodes, sometimes bad episodes, that was it. Like, yep. you got nothing. And then more bad episodes. And then, like, we'd be like, my good thing was, um... The episode is over. Yeah. You can't say that. No. I can't say my good thing was that it was only 45 minutes long. Well, Picard certainly did shine again. 
with what little he had. But I mean, both of these episodes had plenty of good stuff from yep. from Avery Brooks, from Quark and Odo, from now, Kira, all, from the, Dax. The, there's always the character stuff. We all, even in like the worst ones of these, we've always yep. got the character stuff to fall back on. Yeah, which is nice. There's a little bit of development. There's a little bit of forward motion. Jake is dating now, yep. and and uh, Kira's trying to help on the planet and and running into problems and like little you know little things are happening. Yep, which is cool. I like that. Just keeping that sort of the. You know the that that story that we've sort of been evolving going right, and again showing the difference between a show where you're staying in one place and dealing with the same problems every week mm-hmm. versus uh, people who can just leave yep and get into new adventures the next week like so long suckers right like if if uh, Jake and Nog have a problem in their friendship it's gonna still be a problem next week is this the end of No J Industries. <laughs> Oh, anything Unfortunately, else? no, it's probably not. No, probably not. They'll be in the self-sealing stem bolts and dirt industry for uh, quite some time. <laughs> uh, no, I think that's everything. Very well. Uh, next week, we once again, looking at the titles, uh, I don't know. Next week, something. Well, I, you know, I got in the habit of this when we were doing Next Gen. Tease next week. Oh, next week is uh, the Borger everywhere. Next week, uh, (coughs) this is happening. And DS9 is like, I know I've seen these episodes before, but like, I don't, the titles are so nondescript. I just, I got no clue. I mean, fucking Sanctuary? I don't know. Could be about anything. It's the one with the flaky aliens. Oh, good. Second Sight could definitely be about anything. I seriously thought someone was going to get psychic powers. Yep. Like someone was going to get possessed by some kind of psychic power alien or something. And then at first it would feel like a good thing, but then you'd realize that all you could do is hear people all the time. Or something like that, yes. But And Seth yeah. Green would show up to be obtuse. <laughs> Wait, what? Sorry, I'm thinking about Buffy now. Oh. Well, that's not a bad thing to think about, all things no, considered. not at all. All right. So that is all from us. Uh, We will be back next week with two more episodes, so look forward to that. Yep. See you, folks. The Post-Atomic Horror Podcast is a co-production of Ron Algar-Watt and Matt Robotham. Copyright 2014. Please don't sue us. We're just doing this for fun.